grocery store. What? I'm at the combination nail salon and grocery store. Wait, she's at the nail salon and the grocery store? I'm at the combination nail salon and grocery store. Groceries through Instacart delivered to my door. I don't have to choose between acrylics and the grocery store. Hello folks, it's David here and I would just like to take a moment to ask you to go and check out our sponsors NordVPN. Internet security, very important. I'm sure it's something that you're concerned about as well. Me, I like to know that I'm the person in control of my data. I live on my phone and the amount of stuff I do on it from banking to documents to private messaging, I need to know is secure. We all know that there are bad people out there who will come in and uh, try and get our details and spend our money for us. NordVPN prevents that, especially if you're using public Wi-Fis or you're using Wi-Fis away from your home. If you use NordVPN, you are safe and protected. It also allows you to take short holidays to places if that's ever required. It's a brilliant product. I use it every day and highly recommend it. And you can get a tremendous offer if you go to nordvpn.com forward slash heart and hand that's nordvpn.com forward slash heart and hand or use the code heart and hand to get up to 70% off your nordvpn plan you'll also get one additional month for free risk free with nord it's 30 day back money uh, 30 day money back guarantee so all you need to do if you don't like it is just say nope and you'll get your money back so go and check them out as i say it's very important you'll get peace of mind Go to nordvpn.com forward slash heart and hand. everyone and welcome to Heart and Hand, the Rangers podcast. My name is David Edgar, I'm your host as always and joining me this week are two of our stalwart contributors, fresh, if that's the word, from trips to Germany and to Parkhead over the last couple of days. First of all, it's the wonderful Martin Ramsey. How are we doing David? Good to be on for the first time in a wee while. And the tremendous Mr Adam Thornton. Hi guys. So, as I mentioned, lads, you know, you've both uh, been doing the road in the miles lately. Uh, Did the kids remember who you are, Adam? Uh, One of them's too young for that anyway, so I'm saying it doesn't count, but the other one seems quite happy when I'm here, yep. That's that's the main thing, isn't it? It's it's about quality, not quantity anyway, I think. uh, uh, It's been the case for for most of this season. But yes, uh, we're racking up the miles, but more importantly, uh, the big games keep coming, and Martin, this is a very weird feeling because here we're here we are. We're on to talk about an old firm match, the, the fourth old firm league match of the season. Mm. Usually, that would be our be all and end all, and it really isn't. It didn't feel like it yesterday, and it certainly doesn't feel like it today. It's a it's a slightly strange emotion. Strange emotion, strange uh, weekend, but a strange season. I mean, it's it's just been. It's going to take a while to make sense of this this whole campaign. Um, anyone writing a book on it, I would I would advise waiting twenty five years. That seems to be a safe distance for these kind of things. But it really has been weird, and you know, never getting a sense of pattern to anything. Um, and you're absolutely right. We are. Recording now, uh, with the prospect of Celtic winning a title imminent, and that prospect is frustrating and it's annoying, and we've all showed various stages of anger um, over the last few months. Um, but that prospect isn't terrifying. There's only one time in my life when Celtic winning something, the prospect of Celtic winning something was genuinely worrying. It gave you genuine anxiety, and that was 19 years ago. And that's where we are now. Because for all the disappointment, and frustration and letting leads go and letting control go and, and letting our title go. They could pick that up on a Saturday and no one will remember by the Wednesday night. No one, including them. That's how big this opportunity is if Rangers managed to win two games because it would be the greatest feat in modern Scottish football history, some might argue, because of... The circumstances and the, the the change in nature of European football, the, the greatest achievement in, in the, the history of Scottish football. 
it's that big. Um, and it's, you know, that's where we are now. We're on the precipice of it and it's, it's, it's exciting, but you're, you're absolutely right. It's, it was so weird to, to be involved in that on Sunday and Adam will talk about it as well. You, you, you get wrapped up in it for sure for those two hours, yes, like any other old firm game. But all of a sudden Thursday hits you whenever you get home and the next three or four days are going to be absolute murder. Well, Adam, I was just wanting a wee kind of intro there about how, you know, we've got this enormous game on Thursday and he's made it worse. Because now it's like, oh, yeah, we played yesterday anyway. Now I'm just desperate to, to get back to talking about uh, about Thursday night. But uh, we, we will have to talk about about yesterday. Uh, not the worst performance you'll see from Rangers at Parkhead. Not the worst performance you'll see from Rangers at Parkhead this calendar year. Uh, as we've already been there and, and had a really atrocious performance. But uh, I think considering the circumstances of the way that we were lining up, the fact we were coming off a game... 48 hours before a huge match and the fact that we do clearly have a big one coming up on on Thursday. I'm not sure any of us really knew quite what to expect and I would I would sort of put it that I thought we started really quite brightly. I thought we were in control. We did what we do and have done all season which is we then ship a very avoidable, very preventable goal. Then we are kind of a little bit at sixes and sevens defensively. Celtic could have added to it before half time. But then once the manager gets them in, gets a reset, Rangers were totally dominant in the second half. And again, the only thing that prevented us winning was another bugbear of this season, which is not taking key chances at key moments. Yeah, um, quite similar to the last two. Uh, I think the, the Ibrox game and, and the semi-final in the sense that they have been... Uh, maybe more evenly matched than, than we were used to last year. Um, uh, and then obviously that, that game in February. So maybe just getting back to that even keel that we've seen 15 years ago or, or so in terms of we'll win one game, you'll win the next. We'll win one title, you'll win one or two. Um, I thought it was very much like that. In this one, I think I would I would say it was maybe similar to the semi-final in the sense that Celtic had a, a period in the game of about 15, 20 minutes uh, and they scored. Um, but other than that, I thought we were the, the aggressor, far and away. Uh, they scored with their only shot and target. They only had a, a couple more. Um, a couple that are offside, which people seem to forget in the cold light of day and think, oh, they did this and they did that. They had two chances that were flagged offside that don't count, so they didn't really do much um, outside of that goal. Um, that being said, we could have been 2-0 two, two, two down at, at half-time. Um, myself and Martin spoke um, at half time about the importance of that and I think I've mentioned that on here before in terms of that February game for all we got to do in the first half it was four minutes to half time before they got their second goal knowing what we know about this Celtic team now they didn't sit back in the second half in February because they were because they, they thought the game was won they sat back because they were knackered as we've seen in every game since um, so that's a wee bit of a sliding doors moment in a, in, an, in a season of about 25 sliding doors moments, yeah. if we're being honest. Um, and it could have been another one um, on, on Sunday there, but we, we got to we got to halftime. Um, and I think we all know we get there, we reset and we'll come back out. And I thought for the vast majority of the second half, we were fantastic. We had two, three clear-cut chances to, to score two of them in the same move. Um we probably did deserve it, I think, on the balance of of play. But I think uh, a draw isn't a isn't the worst result either, given um, what we said there about the, the kind of poor defensive lapse and the chance that Celtic had just before half time. So overall, uh, not too bad. But Martin's right for me. As soon as that final whistle went, um, that was that was it. Waiting to get out, being pelted with with bottles, um, waiting to get yeah. out of the, the stadium, and uh, all attention turned turned to Thursday, and it wasn't. It wasn't the worst I felt at all after a after a game. I have to say, just that that focus now on on the big one. Yeah, we will come to that, and I want to get both your uh, live witness accounts of that one. But um, just sticking on the game itself, Martin, I think one of the 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 real finds of twenty twenty two, and I, I don't uh, use twenty twenty two as a sort of rough guide. I, I mean it very specifically, is John Lundstrom because. We know, of course, he, he began to show a bit of form uh, just before Stephen Gerrard left. And he, he was you know, doing OK, I think, at the start of the year. It wasn't, he, he started very poorly, but that, that 
really bad period ended, I think, within a couple of months, and then he was fine. I don't think he was doing enough to to change people's perception of that start in, in that period. But this year, he's just got better and better and better. And it struck me a little bit watching him yesterday, just utterly commanding performance. Um, by far, head and shoulders, the best player on the park for either side. Um, and completely dominated that midfield area. Is that I watched this guy play on Thursday night in a European semi-final against a very good side. Uh, full of very good attackers, play at centre-back and almost lead that defence as well. Mm. And it's it's such a an amazing thing to be able to do, to step back and go, oh, he can play centre-back and he'll be absolutely fine. Or we can put him in midfield and he'll be absolutely fine and he'll dominate in both positions. And in terms of what we're seeing from him on a consistent weekly basis now, it's very exciting moving forward because he seems not only to have completely found his form, which is one thing, but more importantly, I think he is playing with a sort of level of comfort um, and composure that seems to suggest that he knows exactly what he's doing, exactly what he's there to do. And as I say, it bodes very, very well for the future. Yeah, it does. Uh, I thought I was far too old for Rangers heroes, but now I want to get the Rangers news, pull out his poster, put it over <laughs> my daughter. Um, and, and John, Lund- <laughs> John Lundstrom bedspread. Yeah, that, that's something like that. He, I think Adam and I maybe talked about this on, on Extra last week, or the week before, whenever it was we were on, that we were not getting a John Lundstrom in form. He did not have a good season in the Premier League last year. He had an excellent season the season before, that that, that season that, that Sheffield United um surprised everybody so you're, you're not taking someone um completely full of themselves and and and, and really and good nick um also a lesson that, that football isn't just well you're a good player you're a good player you're a good player your name's in the team sheet where you go it's about chemistry and playing in the the, the, the right positions with the right people complementing each other and you know it didn't work did not work with davis at the start of the season at all he did have that wee spell in the autumn that you you mentioned david and then for whatever reason the managerial change didn't really suit i think geo brought him on adam as a shoring up extra center half he certainly did at easter road that night he, i'm sure he did um an, another time in that that initial month but at Pitodri, for example when he went very early to shore up that 1-0 um, lead and, and too early as it turned out, I'm sure it was Sands that, that, that was chosen ahead of Lundstrom. He, he started Sands that night ahead of Lundstrom. Uh, okay. Um, so he just wasn't um, ticking boxes for, for, for Geo, wasn't used at Parkhead that, that fateful night in February. Immediately in the team, I think him and Jack started in, on, on the Sunday against Hearts. And it was, all oh, right, well, this is this is different. I don't think we'd really seen that combination for various reasons, Jack's um, injury being the, the, the major one. Um, I said, well, that, that that's a bit different. None of us expected it, um, but it was it was excellent. That night in Germany uh, against Dortmund, the greatest Rangers away performance in Europe I've ever seen, um, the two of them are outstanding. And it's just combinations. And he is growing from that, and he is now a leader. Uh, he, he was excellent in that, that back three on, on Thursday night, but we maybe missed him in the middle of midfield, you know, kind of conducting the show. We didn't really get a f- control of the game as, as hopefully we will get on, on Thursday. So, um, but he has, he's just grown into the kind of player I think we've all felt that Rangers needed for some time. The kind of dominant midfield presence, both on the ball, both without the ball, um, you know, famous, uh, interaction with Calvin Bassey after that tackle at, at Hamden a couple of weeks ago. We've missed that. Um, and I know we, we probably romanticise that quite a lot in Scotland anyway. We, we like to see passion and aggression and things, but he can use a football as well. Yeah. Um, and he is just the kind of signing that I, I think we've, we've probably been crying out for since Gerard arrived and maybe really didn't get a kind of signing that it's eventually taking taking that shape, but it's like, well, he's in the team, good, mm. and other players feel that as well. Um, 
and he's he's just another leader from a team that, let's be honest, has has maybe lacked a lot. Of, you know, Tav and, and Goldson have had to do a lot of that work themselves, a lot of responsibility in their shoulders, um, and I think it just shields that shields that that load from him because he is he's just a presence. Looking forward, if we you know we we, we can't even next season. Um, you know, Celtic don't have anyone. As much as McGregor's a, a, a good player, I, just, I don't think he's he's as, that that kind of dominating force as Lindstrom. And if we had that player in July, um, and used properly in July, we could be looking at a whole different season. You mentioned Calvin Bassey there, and I think we've said on here numerous times one of the best things about Calvin Bassey he's a quick learner and he demonstrated that again yesterday was when he fouled a Celtic player and immediately told him to get fucking up rather than uh, inquired as to how he was <laughs> uh, probably felt John Lundstrom's eyes in the back of his head right enough but yeah just a little thing that made me laugh and and uh, I did notice that yesterday and again in terms of players who have improved a great deal Adam uh, another excellent display from Bassey I was, you know, I've always liked him, and I think you'd need to be blind not to see the improvement he's made in his time at Rangers. But I was always of the opinion that, well, he's a very, very good left back, and he can play centre back, and he did a good job, and we've needed him in there. Um, but his his weaknesses in there get exposed. But they are going to the point now where I look at him and I think. The heading's still a bit of an issue for a top class centre half. Um, he's he's not the best in the air. But the other things that he has in his locker there, he's very good at one-to-one defending. He knows when to go in tight and when to drop off, which is huge. I mean, that's something that, for instance, Katic never learned. He uh, is excellent on the ball. And, of course, he has that. And it is a huge thing for any club at any level. He's got recovery pace, which is such a massive thing for a centre-back to have because he, he, he can trust himself if, if someone gets the run on him, he'll get back. And then, of course, when it comes to body strength, forget it, one winner. Uh, and again, another a tough environment yesterday and another superb performance. Yeah, I think you've you've, you've nailed it. He maybe, he maybe lacks that anticipation and awareness yet, but given how young he is and given that centre-half is, is not his natural position he has literally only been playing their top level for um six months or so i think we can we can uh forgive him for that um he, he does have that tendency i guess there's a debate isn't it in the semi-final he, he stuck to rogic rogic and he dived in quite a bit um maybe smarter teams will be able to work around that but there's been a few times where he has been worked around and that recovery pace that you've mentioned or just sheer physicality and will has got him back uh, and just taking the ball off people as if as if they're not there. Um, his growth has been has been remarkable. Um, I have to say from from what we've seen, uh, I always remember standard Liège away where it was obviously so wet, but he looked like he was playing in the wrong studs or barely didn't even have boots on. He was just all over the place, slipping and sliding about, using his physicality well, but it was so erratic to to where he is now. Um, and on top of everything that you mentioned, he's a really, really good cross at the ball as well. That's improved. It really is. That's improved so much. Yeah. You think about the attributes you're describing there as kind of traditional centre half attributes, but when he gets going on that left hand side, um, we we miss that actually. And this is this is the same debate that Martin mentioned about Lundstrom. If we could clone the both of them, you could have a Lundstrom at centre half and a Lundstrom at centre yeah. mid, and a Bassey at centre back and a Bassey at left back, and you would be absolutely delighted with it because yeah. there are points in each games where yesterday I thought, oh maybe we should drop Lundstrom back a bit, and then Martin was like, well we need him in midfield, and I was like, oh yes, so we do. So it's, it's a bit of a, I guess that's a recruitment flaw if you want to be quite uh, harsh about it that we haven't properly um, bought for for those eventualities. But if we could clone the both of them, I think we'd be in a in a better place. For me, their, their flexibility. Tactically, um, is absolutely emblematic of, of Van Bronckhorst just now. The fact that both of them can switch between um, three different formations uh, will is just so crucial for us. I think we're at the stage with Bassey, David, Adam, where we're way past the stage actually where him at centre half isn't a oh God, right? That's a makeshift thing. I don't know if we'll survive that. We're, we're okay with that now. He's okay with that now. Not I, in my opinion, anywhere near a first-choice centre-half in an ideal world, I think the future clearly is him as a long-term left-back and Rangers bringing in a centre-half, ideally with a lot of the attributes that you you mentioned, David, in terms of that that that, that, that recovery um, sense and 
ability that he has, which is important, but also the ability to head a football, which in Scotland is, I'm afraid, ultra important. Um, but it's it's the same with Lundstrom being able to, to, to move. It's not a disaster if we have to use these players um, out of position. Where I think in the past, and this since you know we've been back in the, the top flight, for example, we've had maybe too many players, but when they were moved out of position, it was watching between the, the, the gaps in your fingers at times. So we're, we're, we're way past that. But I think the future, as I see it anyways, is he's our, he's our left back going forward for sure. Yeah, I think yesterday in the second half, if we'd had uh, a, a more experienced centre-half on the bench, then as we were going for it, putting him to left-back would have been a very attractive yeah. option um, because he does, you know, Borna a terrific delivery. And even yesterday, there were some good some good balls out of the box. I thought Borna yesterday wasn't good, but he knew he was having a difficult time and he didn't give up, which he did I think it's fair to say the last time he was at Parkhead, so hopefully that was a bit of an exorcism for him. I think that's the, task. absolutely, and I think that's the challenge. I guess that in in the situations where you want to play Bassi and Lundstrom in defence together in a three, you then lose any ability to carry the ball other than other than Tav on the right hand, on the right hand side. So if, you, if you've yeah, got obvious. if you've got Bassi on the left and Lundstrom in centre back, fine. Um, and if you've got Lundstrom in midfield and, and Bassett centre back, then then fine. But taking both of them out of that kind of attacking sense, if you like, and getting the ball forward, kind of stunts us a wee bit, and we maybe seen a wee bit of that on on Thursday night. Yeah, I, I would definitely agree with that. And I think that, as I say, yesterday in the last twenty when we were going for it, I would have loved the option to to stick there. And I think if Balogun had been on the bench, then. You'd have seen that, but um, we in that 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 period when we began to play some nice stuff, and it wasn't kick and rush. You know, it wasn't getting up the park in in one go. It was Rangers were working the belt. Um, Tav, I thought, was very prominent in it, and the midfield pushed that little bit forward. And Celtic couldn't get out. And again, we spoke about the physical limitations. I think again they were proven yesterday, and I think they they began to think, well, we'll try and hold on. Um, they made changes themselves in about an hour. I'll never be convinced that when you need legs, bringing on Tom Rogic is a sensible manoeuvre, uh, but they did it anyway. And Rangers were dominant. And then I think if we were all being honest, and I know that we had this conversation, you you in the stadium, me watching on TV, on WhatsApp, well, who's getting the goals? Because, of course, no Alfie, no, uh, uh, no Kamal Roof. And... Rangers other players aren't in the main, with the exception of the fullback, particularly prolific. Uh, cometh the hour, almost literally, cometh the man, fashion Sakala. Scott Wright came on. Sakala took over from Joe Aribo, who'd... It hasn't worked. You know, I know he was there to do a job, but in terms of uh, actually producing anything in an attacking sense, the two times we've seen it, it, it hasn't worked. Sakala went through the middle, and then all of a sudden, Adam... He was, I mean, he was torturing them. And, and it's that thing about Fashion Sakal. The first half, he looked as though he just was lost. They just could not get anything going whatsoever. Into the second half, he gets a goal. He hits the post. He's a wee bit unlucky with another enforce as a save at the keeper. He was giving them nightmares. And this is who he is. The, the comparison has been made to Nacho Novo that, you know, not the most technically gifted player in the world, but at the end of a season, he'll probably have figures that are significantly better than maybe some of the guys who do have more technical ability. I think that's it. I think we we said we said last week on, I don't know whether it was extra or whether it was um, flagship with, with you last week, but we said, yeah, he, he doesn't fit the conventional model of, of what you want. He, he doesn't know where to position himself out of, posi- out of position. He can look like he's got two left feet at, at, at times, or two right feet, um, however you want to call it, but it's undeniable that things happen around him. It's whether it's just through sheer force of will or I'm not going to give up, I'm just going to keep going, even though I look like a, a rabbit caught in the headlights. That's two old firm goals that he's been responsible for um, in the last two weeks. And it's also been, when you look back through people's timelines, it's, it's quite funny because up to that point in those games, they're saying, get Sakala off, he's hopeless, this is this is rubbish. And, and one of these things, Nacho Novo, Peter Lovenkranz, there is a precedent there in terms of people that, that pop up with big goals at big at big times, um, and he's he's doing it at, at a moment that we desperately need it. So I'm 
are very much aware of his limitations, but I'm also very much on on board with let's get players who can do what we need them to do right now, and we can worry about the future in the future. But for me, right now, he's delivering uh, goals that I'm happy with. Lovely finish for his goal. Um, Martin, reminiscent, a few people have mentioned, I think there's a fair point, of Marco Negri in the 1-1 draw there, 97-98. Lovely low finish, picked his spot, slotted at home. Tried to do it again a bit later and Mm. and hit the post. Uh, I'm maybe being a wee bit too generous here, so, you know, that's not something you're accused of that often. Mm. Um, Was it a bad miss? I thought he was a little bit unlucky. Yeah, of course, the the, the catch-all statement he has to score and that's true you know he's one-on-one he should score we know that but I don't think it's a hellish attempt the second one it's not a hellish attempt I mean, if you'd asked me at the time when I'm obviously side on and it looks like he must score and he doesn't um, I think my reaction would have been a wee bit more vociferous um, watched it back he can't go across goal no because it's been covered now if he had made better decision making, quicker decision making, more lethal decision making, then he takes takes that out. But by the time he goes to shoot, he can't go across goal. He has to try basically what he did for the first goal. And he was he was unlucky. Um I mean you say it wasn't far away, obviously. It wasn't a a, a dreadful miss. Um but he should score. And you can't really get away for that. And there's another comparison with that that negri. I mean it's almost a an absolute identical finish, um, the, the, the goal. Um, but from what I can remember, Negri missed about three other sitters and, and scored the hard one that night. Uh, <laughs> he, listen, I, Adam's made the point, you know, in the wash-up, you know, his numbers won't look dreadful at all. And you need players to, to you know, pop up now and again. You need players to take care of, of, of some of the rubbish as well, just to keep things um, ticking over. It's um, sorry to interrupt, but especially in our team right now, where we don't I, we don't have anyone doing that. Our right yeah. right back is always the second or third top goal scorer. I, I think that's absolutely fair. I, I do wonder. I'm thinking of that goal. Um, there's, there's others. There's certainly that hat trick at Motherwell. Um, if I remember correctly, if I you know certainly my understanding, he prefers to come in off the left. Yeah. Now that's a difficulty for us because we have someone immovable undroppable in in that, that position. So he's maybe been asked to, to to do roles that he's not quite as as, as suited to. Um but that's I mean, that's just tough. We've talked about tactical flexibility on, on this show already. Um the novel comparison's fair. There might be a Miller comparison there as well in terms of if he's not got a lot of time to think about it. Yep. He he buries it. If he's got too much time one on one, I'm not sure I'd, I'd, I'd put much much on him. Kent just lays that in and he has to go. He has to hit it. Um, and he's 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 also done um, done the biz. Um, he's, he's he's like many players this season. Um, a curate's egg, you know. You just, they they will present stuff that that you know will remember for some time. Um, and still other games where we're absolutely frustrated. That that first half, the Rebo thing, you're absolutely right. Um, in theory. If he's an out ball, you're trying to, to knock balls over the top. You're thinking Tynecastle, um, where he controls things in an instant. Um, it didn't really work. There was one brilliant ball from Tavernier in the first half where he doesn't have the instinct or the power to just muscle him, muscle himself into a position to, to, to make the most of it. Um, and Because that's not his role. He's not a number nine. Um, but what I felt in that first half was that when Rangers, certainly that first 20 minutes, sorry, the, the, after the Celtic goal, I thought we were back to that very timid, shocked, startled um, team that we've seen far too often, needing the half-time 15 minutes. Um, but that first 20 minutes, when we were breaking things down and then starting to build up, there wasn't a trust in that front three. Things didn't move quickly because there's that in, bit of doubt. No one wanted to give Fashion the ball. Certainly didn't want no, to give and, the ball. And, and, I then, think that, and I think what you then saw was Kent began to think... They, they're not going to do anything. I yeah. need to do all this myself. Yeah. Which is what he always tries to do and, and, and gets himself into um, bother as a, as a result. For whatever reason, a bit of a chat, a um, bit of a change in the second half, things did move quicker. Um, suddenly that, that trust was, was rebuilt, I don't know. Um, but uh, that that was the, the, the real frustration that first half. And I think it came from doubt. He said, well, we don't have 
we don't have our boy, we don't have our second in command who was the top goal scorer last season. You know, these aren't our natural outlet, but you, I guess in the second half, you just have to go on with that and trust and, and, and that, that's kind of what happened. Yep, and got the reward. And, and as I say, you know, a wee bit unlucky in the end that we didn't uh, get across the line. But certainly, <coughs> you you know, an away trip to Parkhead scheduled in the middle of these two, shockingly scheduled in the middle of these two matches, uh, to to come away and think, okay, well, we played quite well. People are, you know, the confidence levels will be very good for Thursday night. No injuries. That was pretty much what I think we were hoping for. Uh, and that's what we got. Now, you two were at the game. Uh, I believe that you, due to pre-match instruction from the police, had to be there the night before, um, that, that before they would let you into the ground. So the, there were very specific instructions for, for Rangers fans. But then the, the somewhat bizarre decision from the police that they wouldn't let Rangers fans leave immediately in the event of a draw. They, they make decisions based on how the match will be. So if, Rangers, if it was a draw uh, or a Rangers win, the, the fans were to hold back. But given that a draw pretty much did mean Celtic are going to win the league, that they they were going to hang about for a bit. It seemed a bizarre decision. And the second bizarre part of it, Martin, was the decision by Celtic to move their uh, one of their sections, uh, the boys, as they're known, to be next to the Rangers support. For those of you who don't know, you may have seen footage of Celtic fans fighting yesterday. That was the boys in the Green Brigade uh, were fighting yesterday. The the boys are the ones who attacked Oswald's bar. They see themselves as a sort of uh, ultra-casual type organisation. That is inexplicable in terms of... I will safety putting them right next to the the Rangers support is surely just asking for trouble. Uh yeah, um, it's, it's it's certainly the only obvious uh, explanation for it. Um, uh, surely no mischievous uh, planning uh, afoot there. Uh, I, I'll be honest, a lot of that stuff passes me by. Um, it's, it's just we boys running about really, uh, but. Yeah, they they were they were very energised um, throughout the game. That's just this kind of part of it, to be honest. I, I Adam, I don't know about you. I I didn't know that was a kind of orchestrated group. Um, as I said, a lot of that just you know passes over my head. I've I've read a, a wee bit about it um, since. Um, it just felt like a kind of normal visit to Parkhead. Really, um, you're always feeling like you're in the lines. Then only seven eight hundred whatever. Um, but it wasn't until to after that final whistle that uh, things changed a wee bit. Or, um, by the way, don't dare take to Twitter to to, to question um, the mythology of, of Parkhead as a ground. I've I've realised this weekend I've had a lot of oversensitive structural engineers um, taken to my timeline to, to take <laughs> me to task about the fact I couldn't see one goal um, uh, for, for, for the entire match because of a massive pillar. I know the purpose of the pillar. I know that's there to keep the stadium up. Um, but I'm also aware that every other away allocation in Scotland, you can see the whole pitch. Um, it was a shit view. That's really all I was saying. But um, yeah, it was a usual kind of breakfast nonsense. Um, uh, but but safety wasn't at the forefront of, of uh, the planning after the match, I don't think. Adam, as Martin mentioned there, when whenever you go there, and yeah, they, they do get very sensitive about a stadium that, after all, rather famously was built with used Meccano and lollipop sticks, that uh, it, it is a shithole. We know it's a shithole, but there's only 800 Rangers, for less than 800 Rangers fans there. It shouldn't be that difficult to police. And yet again, it just looks like... Celtic and the police don't care. You see with Celtic's response to this of, I ah, well, things have happened when we've been away as well, that the, the, they really do not bother whatsoever because there's no comeback for them. <clears throat> yeah, I think that's I think that's fair. Um, I, I'm the same as Martin. I didn't really know that that was a thing in terms of another another group or, or really sat or anything. I have to say at the game, it didn't really feel like I was sitting next to or or standing in close proximity to yeah. um an ultras group of any kind that was only really after after the game, but then I would have suggested there was people running from various parts of the stadium to to come over and, and have a go, etc. So um I'm not quite sure it's probably a wider issue than that. But yeah, I think you're right that the the kind of lack of reporting of it uh, uh, in the media uh, and then the the subsequent statement that has that has come out I think shows 
um, shows what what they think of it uh, in terms of safety. In terms of getting in and getting out, etc., it's been worse. I have to say when I, when I when I've been there, um, but it was being kept in. Um, at, at that for a draw, I think was was a bit strange, and the the length of time that we had to wait to to come out. But thankfully, there was no um, major issues actually getting out of the stadium and getting back to cars, etc. Good. Well, uh, all's well that ends well, I suppose. But even so, it's it's something that needs rectified in the future because otherwise, we're just going to head back to no away fans. I yeah. mean, because it's pretty clear both clubs. I'm not even talking about fans. Both clubs pretty much despise each other. So I don't see there being much appetite to expand it uh, and things like this are only going to make it more likely that there's less fans not more at future old firm matches but we have got bigger fish to fry and on Thursday night Rangers welcome RB Leipzig for the second leg RB Leipzig a goal up from the first leg no away goals of course this season in Europe I can't say I'm that upset by it. I was very upset by it when we played Dortmund in Belgrade. I'm not so upset by it. I wasn't so upset when we played Braga, and I'm not so upset by it tonight. Um, it is what it is. Now, we were all fortunate enough to be there last week. Uh, I was I was going to say I was a lot soberer than you two, um, but I don't, I don't think that's doing it justice, quite frankly. Um, Adam, do you need a, a wee kind of pressy of, of what happened um, <laughs> no. on the actual field? No. All right, okay, right. I'm absolutely fine. Right, I just have you caught up since you got back, sat and watched the game. Went, oh, it was one 0 Um, but yeah, the the boys had fun, listeners. I think it's fair to say. But in the stadium after the match, a couple of things struck me. Talking to to Rangers players and officials, speaking to Leipzig players and officials, is one that the the Rangers <coughs> players have got a a very deep confidence that they are going to do it and I don't know if it's it's slightly different it's not bravado nor is it um, a a complacent confidence it's just you sense a real belief that they think not only have we beaten them our name is on this we are winning this this is a destiny thing if we do our you know if we all turn up and do what the manager tells us we are going to win this tournament and secondly from the the RBL guys I was speaking to an RBL official and uh, I mentioned, I said, you know, big celebrations. And he said, yeah, well, we felt we, we needed a lead to, to take to Glasgow. And I said, yeah, but you probably had to put us away tonight, really, to, to avoid, you know, what's going to happen at the stadium. And he said, well, we've, you know, we have played in, in Dortmund. We have played uh, in Munich. You know, we, we're used to big atmospheres. And I didn't have that to tell him, yeah, you, you lost those games, mate. But um, I said, it's a different atmosphere that, in, in Scotland. In Germany, yes, there's the noise and you have the ultras and you have that sort of um, coordinated European style fan noise. It's very impressive, but you know, as, as the Rangers players were saying and as people who've come to Britain to play have said that it, it it's not as frightening, it's not as intimidating, whereas with that British thing when it's all about the game and the fans rise and fall with it and uh, with the ebb and flow of the match, the there's a much more direct, much more visceral reaction at Ibrox. So I think they think they're coming for a certain type of atmosphere that isn't actually going to be there. I think they think it'll be loud. Um, and I don't think they quite understand the well, damn near hysteria that they're going to be playing in. So that's good. Uh, the other thing that was coming through was that all the Germans was, yeah, we will need to score. We know that. Like It's not going to it's not going to end one goal being enough for us. Uh, so those were my impressions leaving the stadium. Yes, they're favourites. Of course they are. They have a goal. They should be. But I certainly don't feel this tie is unwinnable, Martin. And I certainly don't feel, even if they were to take the lead, I wouldn't be saying, well, that's us done on on Thursday night. I think that, well, Coach Giovanni van Bronckhorst, it's Ibrox. Special things happen there. Mm. Oh, certainly not impossible. Uh, I think Rangers are five to one to qualify on Thursday, and I think that's probably about right. Maybe a wee bit long, but um, I think that's generous to qualify. I think that's generous. Yeah, well, we'll see. I mean, there's so many things that are true, and they don't, they're not mutually exclusive. Ibrooks will. Let's lay this out now. None of us will have experienced Ibrooks the way it will be pre-match on on Thursday. It will be. We've been at big games. Um, 
I don't think anything will, will compare um, to what's on the line. Fiorentina was a first leg, and it was a Rangers team that were not exactly free-flowing uh, in their approach to European football, especially at home, because away goals were still a thing and a very real thing. Um, Moscow in 93, we are immediately waiting for news. And, you know, that was a special atmosphere. But you're immediately waiting for news, and after five minutes you got the news that you were not wanting. Uh, so this is different. It's all in our hands. It's it's all on the line. You're going back 50 years um, before th- this kind of situation uh, arose. So Ibrooks will be something special. I think the players need to manage that. I get the feeling that Leipzig are a wee bit more street smart than Braga who were blown away. They managed to, obviously, um, regroup, and really, Rangers let them off in the second half, and, you know, they managed to help hold it together and then take the one chance they, 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 they got. But, um, you know, they, they that, that Barisic fingernail um, didn't touch the ball. They, they are they are probably buried in that first half. They, they, did, they did look shell So I'm not quite convinced that, that, that Leipzig will be as, uh, <laughs> as green as that. Um, but also if Rangers do go with the emotion and Ibrox will be emotional and try and have this game wrapped up at halftime the way that they appeared to do against Braga, then theoretically anyway, we are where Leipzig want us. They have that goal, it changes everything and the way they played in Italy, devastating pace on the counter. Um, they are more than capable of picking us off. So it, I think it's it's going to have to be the head over the heart at times on Thursday, and that's going to be very difficult for this Rangers team because of everything that's 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 coming down on them from the stands. If it's nil nil at half time, that's absolutely fine by me. Um, it it doesn't all have to be done inside fifteen minutes, as much as we all want it to be, and as much as we'll be being for that. Um, it's it's a fascinating tie for a neutral which of course none of us are, it really is perfect because Leipzig are very dangerous away from home. I don't think that's the best we saw of them on Thursday because you know they're not playing in that counter-attacking way. They couldn't. But we're also best at home, clearly, by a long way. So it's it's all set up for, for, for quite some night. Um, I'm not entirely sure I'll be able to take it, to be honest. Adam, the looks as though we might have Kamar Roof back for it. How big would that be in terms of... Uh, the focal point, if you like. Um, yeah, I think any of those two chances that failed to Arfield and Jack fought to come our roof yesterday and we win the game. So from that sense, yes, um, it will be very big. It's, as always, it's getting them, getting the bottom in those situations, which we need to do, which we did very well um, against Braga. So absolutely. Um, if Adam Ramsey isn't fit, that, has a bit of an issue there because they both played very well as that kind of split split striker role against Braga. Um, so that might be a bit of an issue. Um, I am not quite as uh, fearful of uh, Leipzig, I have to say, uh, after what I've seen uh, against Union Berlin and after what I've seen on, on Thursday night. Um, I think they've been sold as something that I don't quite see, personally. Um, Adam, isn't Atalanta the better comparison for what we're going to see on Thursday than what we saw last Thursday or in another league game? No, I don't think it is because Atalanta they can't defend they're a very strange side. Also, Atalanta's ground, uh, and it's funny actually the Red Bull official I spoke to mentioned well we went to Atalanta and I went, Atalanta's ground holds 18,500, it's a lovely wee place Mm. in Bergamo it's so nice to visit and their fans are <clears throat> they, they just love where they are at the moment. And yeah. as Adam says, Atalanta not only can't defend, they don't. And it, what it means is they play a little bit like almost Postacoglu Celtic, where it's just all out attack. And what happens to them in Italy is they score a lot of goals. They're involved in five threes and, and four twos. And then every sort of fourth or fifth match, they get absolutely royally cuffed. So, you know, I, I think against Atalanta, if you can, you know, sit in and defend, they get a bit bored and they leave loads of gaps open. It's an impressive victory, don't get me wrong. And Atalanta are a good side. But no, I, I, I kind of agree with Adam that they were not quite at the level I expected them to be because I had genuine worries that it would be a 
we could go there and lose three, four mil. And we're out of it. Completely out the tie. Yeah, I think they're a very good side, but I don't think they're better than um, Dortmund, for example. Uh, and I think in terms of pace, I don't think they have as much pace in their side uh, as some of the other sides we've played in Europe. What they do have is a terrific number nine in Nkunu, who, let's face it, should have been on the score sheet in the first leg. He's the one that worries me. But in terms of being able to get at them, then I think that when Rangers did, and it was rare, but when Rangers did venture out, I think we looked as though we did have possibilities. It's a, a, a theory of it stands up, Martin, in, in terms of uh, what what you're thinking with, with Atalanta, etc. But similar to, uh, I guess, Bielsa at Leeds, there's, there's just a philosophical refusal to defend that is beneath what Gasparini yeah, thinks. Or... I just don't like it. Um, it, was, it was more the Leipzig thing that they are a better counter-attacking team than they are um, a team pushing something. Yeah. And obviously the onus was on them on Thursday. And I too wasn't overly impressed with how they, they took to the game. My worry, based on limited, I'm not a huge Bundesliga fan, sit down for that news. Um, but from what I, what I, and I completely understand the caveat of, of, of just how porous Atlanta are, but they appear, and from what I've heard and read, also they appear to be far better suited to, to, to working on the break. Now, with a 1-0 lead, that's exactly what they want, no? And that's a different team, a different Leipzig team, an, an approach and strengths than what we saw on, on, on Thursday is, is, is just... Where, where my fear is, is is coming from. This coming Thursday, we'll see them in a situation for which they are better suited and for which they prefer. Yeah, and it'll be the same for us as well, I guess. So it's just that I, it's that balance I, of of uh, risk reward that <clears throat> that we need to get right. Um, from from my side, I think as as I said, I think Ruth needs to <clears throat> Ruth needs to be there. We mentioned earlier on Kent being undroppable, and he absolutely is. His his numbers have come on leaps and bounds. That criticism uh, seems to have have disappeared. Um, he's not under, he is undroppable, but he's not immovable, which I think is is something that we've spoken about before. He doesn't have to always play on that left hand side. He is very flexible. He's probably better, to my mind, coming in off shooting off his left foot. I can think of more goals that he scored cutting in on off the left than off the right. Sorry, than I can off the left. So that'd be an interesting thing if we if we do something there. Um, but I think we need Ruth and I think we probably need Ramsey and both of them at the level they were at for Braga for us to to have any chance. Um, depending what happens with that, I think will the outcome of of the game or certainly the outcome for our uh, the approach for our, our team will will differ wildly. So uh, I think we'll all be waiting with bated breath for for news on them. Yeah, it's the big nervousness, isn't it, this week? Uh, go back to what we discussed in Ibrooks, David, just before the Braga second leg about Ramsey and. This chat about whether it's best to, to hold him back, given if if we do see Aaron Ramsey on on Thursday, if he's available, he's not one hundred percent. No, I think that's fair. Yeah. I would be of mind because I've seen now too many games where he's he's you know he clearly scored scored against Celtic and he's he, he's been involved in, in in Braga, but he was done the game because of the 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 the, 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 the frenzy of it and the, the the tension and the pace was just too much for him. I, I hope the manager just maybe shows the courage just to hold them back. And then with the game, as you would imagine, probably stretched, um, then that's when you use someone that has vision, genuine world-class vision, um, to, to, to really make their mark, not when it's 100 miles an hour and everyone's overexcited and he's a spent force by an hour. I get you want to try and build something at the start. All I'm saying is it's, it's, it's possible to plan ahead. Um, and I don't think we're going as, as much as it would be brilliant to have both of them 100% Thursday. I think that kind of chats for the birds. So if they're both available to some extent, I'd, I'd be very tempted to keep Ramsey back and, and use him when the, the game situation probably suits his level of, of fitness better than others. I would agree with Ruth if he's if he's walking, he needs to start <laughs> um, because no Kamar, no party on Thursday, to be honest. Yeah, we need a central striker for the task that's that's ahead for us. And let's face it, if we use 11, 14, 16 players on Wednesday night, uh, Thursday night, they all need to deliver. They all need to yeah. be at a level. Because the thing about RBL is that it is a made-up club. And 
I think you guys will, will agree with me. You go to the ground, the atmosphere's more like that of a sort of rock concert. Yeah. The people are there to be entertained, but they, they don't live or die by the result. They're there yeah. and they, they sort of they celebrate a goal in a very hey, look, I'm celebrating a goal mm. way. And, you know, speaking to a lot of Germans when, when I was on the trip and I know speaking to Bears in the ground, they're like, there's two fans of Leipzig's other team sitting in front of me. They hate Red Bull. They're here to cheer for us. And they, they told us, yeah, a lot of people come here, but they'll support Cologne or Schalke or Dortmund. But they come here because they live in Leipzig and it's cheap and, you know, you, the football's decent, mm. which is fair enough. And there is that sort of mercenary vibe from the players as well. They're all there to go somewhere. You know, they're not, this, this is not going to be the be all and end all. They're well paid and the facilities are first class, but there isn't quite that, that, you know, driving for a cause thing that you can engender at clubs where you do have the, the more sort of historic thing. Um, and I think that that does become apparent and can be very useful in European nights. What it also means though, in the negative column is that they're coldly professional <laughs> and they just turn yeah. up, do their job and take their wage and bugger off home. So that is a worry as well. But look, 1-0 down, a match at Ibrox to try to get to a European final. Um, I'd have been handing out hand jobs to the homeless at the start <laughs> of the season if someone could have guaranteed me that so no uh, I'll certainly take that right folks that will do us for uh, this week's episode uh, we'll be back on Friday on the free show with Heart and Hand Extra with all the reaction to Thursday night dear God please let it be a happy drunken one uh, but uh, that time will tell on that one I'll be back of course on the flagship next Monday night uh, can I just point you in the direction of our sponsors footballprizes.co.uk they run raffles where you buy a ticket and you have an opportunity to win some great Rangers prizes. This week, it's a signed Invincibles shirt from the team that won the title. The full squad signed the shirt uh, in a beautiful presentation case. Uh, and for a ticket, I think it's three ninety five limited tickets. They don't keep just selling. So your odds are at worst 99 to 1. And that's if they all sell. So you could even have better odds than that. And quite a few heart and handers have won prizes. There's also instant win prizes as well. Uh, when you buy a ticket, you could win things including uh, a signed Ali, framed Ali McCoy's print. So loads of stuff there. Please go and check them out, footballprizes.co.uk. My thanks to our executive producers in London, Mike Lee and Paul Miles. And my thanks to my two guests, first of all, Adam Thornton. Thanks, David. And Martin Ramsey. Thanks, boys. Thanks, listeners. Hope you enjoy a very special week. Here we go. This is it. Time to get it done. We'll talk to you all soon on the gels. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye. Sports Social Podcast Network. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.